0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with all of you, and we're excited. And just thank you so much for uh, giving us this opportunity to share your space with you, and to for us to be a part of your Sunday morning here this morning. And I want to give a special welcome to those of you who, if this is your very first time tuning into either a Community of Grace worship service or any church service whatsoever, I want to say welcome. And to let you know that you are welcome here and that your questions and your presence matters to us and we want you to know that uh, we are a family here a community of grace and not only are we a family but the entire body of Christ is a family and we are excited to adopt you into that family of Jesus as well. We're beginning a new sermon series titled Social Distancing and When you hear social distancing, I'm not talking about what Lutherans have done for many years in the traditional sense of leaving the front pew open between the congregants and the pastor. What I'm talking about is our current situation, and we are in a time of chaos, we're in a time of confusion, and we're in a time where we're kind of searching and looking around, trying to find answers and trying to find a sense of peace and comfort during this time. While the Bible is truly a fascinating narrative and is the word of life, it does not give a step-by-step instruction list on how to eliminate COVID-19. You're not going to find that in Scripture, but the Bible is a story. It's an engaging story. It desires to draw us close to it, and it desires for us to connect with it in some way, shape, or form. And what is interesting and fascinating about scripture is the fact that it does communicate in a way to the situation that we are in right now. It tells of people who have been scattered, it tells of people who are feeling confused, and it tells of people who just don't know where to turn to during this time. And it's important for us in this series to just address and accept our current circumstances and to do that, I want to begin by sharing my own personal experience of this time. When all of this was going down, my wife and I were actually on a vacation to Boston uh, to visit my sister-in-law. and um, let's see here. It's interesting because uh, first of all, praise God for the fact that we were able to get out of there in the time that we did, or else we would have been stranded in Boston. And as a New York Yankees fan, that would have been my worst nightmare. But uh, we were able to get home and Uh, But during that time, as we were watching the news and just hearing all of these reports of uh, all of the countries around the world who were experiencing the the virus and just having a hard time dealing with it, and the fact that it was inevitable that it was going to be coming to America, you know, you just kind of get a look about yourself, and this is how I reacted to it. You know, kind of this, like, you're leaning on the table and you're covering your mouth like, oh boy, this is going to be dangerous (laughs) <laughs> this does this does not look good. Or another way that you could react is you kind of get that clenched teeth look, like, "Ooh, this this could be bad." And it it was because they were canceling sporting events, they were shutting down restaurants, they were shutting down malls. Uh, people were worried. People were fearful. Hospitals were filling up at an alarming rate, and so it's. I feel as though it was reasonable for me to react the way that I did. However, I tried to rally myself. I tried to tell myself to calm down. This is me calming myself down, telling myself that, okay, it's all right. We're going to be okay. Yeah, sure, things are getting canceled. It's going to settle down. Uh, For all we know, this will last two weeks, and then it will blow over, and then it will be a blip on the history that is 2020. Boy, was I wrong, because all of a sudden, states are issuing stay-at-home orders, and hospitals continue to fill up, and the death rate continues to rise at an exponential rate, and medical experts are sharing all of this information and communicating that it could be till September that we're going to be continuing to deal with this, and that's the reaction. A look of shock. September? Really? I'm gonna to have to socially distance myself for that long. I have to be in this for the long haul. But again, I tried to reassure myself. I tried telling myself, okay, think positively. Right now this stay at home initiative is only gonna be two weeks. So think positive, I'll get through this, this will be awesome. This is me telling myself to stay positive. However, when the first two weeks was up then they added another two weeks. And then they added another two weeks and another two weeks. And now here we are in another period of social distancing and staying at home. And it just made me want to do this. Ah! Tear my hair out. I mean, come on. I want to get back to a sense of normal. And that's just my experience. But maybe for some of you... You've also experienced some or all or maybe even none of these emotions, but the fact is is that nobody is immune to these times. We need to not push our current circumstances aside, but we need to acknowledge them and we need to reflect on them in order to gain an understanding. And right now, we're in a situation where there is something that is looming in the darkness over our lives, and it's just waiting around the corner to try and catch us when we're off guard. And that something is fear. Fear is lurking at every single corner. And whether it is in the economic field, whether it's at a personal social level, or whether it's at a healthcare or science perspective, it's everywhere. For some people, there's a fear of our economy crashing and burning in a fiery blaze of glory. And that people are fearful that they're not going to be able to return to their jobs and fearful that restaurants are going to shut down permanently forever. There's this fear that businesses are just not going to be the same after all of this is said and done. So there's that economic fear of just hopelessness that seems to be occurring and seems to be driving us to our worst, reacting in anger and frustration towards our current circumstances. But there are also other people who, when they are fearful, they're fearful that they're not going to be able to give their loved one a hug, their grandparents or family that live a far distance away, or their friends. They're not going to be able to see friends. They're not going to be able to have that social in-person interaction anymore. While it's a beautiful thing that we have something known as Zoom, and we get to see everybody and we get to wave at people, and waving has become the new handshake, We're more connected than we've ever been, but we've also been more lonely than we've ever been in our entire lives. And there are people who are fearful that they're going to be lonely for the rest of their lives. So not only economic, not only social, but there are also people who are deathly afraid that if they were to leave their house, they're going to catch this virus that's been going around. They've been seeing the numbers go up. They've been seeing the testing increase. They've been seeing the hospitals fill to capacity. And it brings fear And it brings a sense of, is this going to get any better? If I go to the grocery store, am I going to make it out alive? Or or am I going to get sick? Fear seems to be everywhere. And we're socially distant from one another. And while this can disconnect us in a number of different ways, I want to try and bring us back towards our roots. I want to bring us back to what Scripture has to say to a group of people who have been scattered and isolated and are feeling the feelings that we all are feeling in this day and age. And it happens to come from the book of James. That's really what our social distancing series is about. For these next three weeks, we're going to be going over the book of James. And I highly encourage you, it's a very quick read, 15 to 20 minutes to read the entire book of James. So if you have the time at any point during this series... I encourage you to read it all the way through. It's fascinating stuff. And the hope is is that it connects you. And my hope is is that during these next three weeks, we're going to learn that no matter where we're at, we can love God and love neighbor under the shadow of the cross right where we are located. That's what James is trying to communicate to us, and that's what he was communicating to uh, people back in, in the early days of Christianity, or what, as it was known back then as The Way. So first, I wanna give just a little bit of background on the book of James. As you could probably guess, the book of James was written by da da da, da James himself. By the way, if you're having trouble uh, locating where James is in your Bible, if you've got one with you, uh, you can turn first to the book of Revelation. It's the very last book of the Bible. Before Revelation is Jude. Before Jude are three letters written by a guy named Peter, before, or by John. Before that are two letters written by Peter, and then before that is the book of James, just a, as a little bit of a help. But James was the, actually the brother of Jesus. But while Jesus was doing his earthly ministry, James and the rest of the family were a little bit jealous of Jesus and what he was doing I mean, I can kind of get this. If there are any older siblings out there who, when you see your younger sibling and you notice that maybe they're more athletic than you are, maybe they're smarter than you are, maybe they're better looking than you are, you can get a little bit jealous. So it's no wonder that people in Jesus's family might have looked at Jesus and been like, this guy's claiming he's the son of God. This guy's claiming that he can forgive the sins of the world. He's going around, he's healing people. There were a ton of other false messiahs that said the same exact thing, and they all ended up being fraud. So yeah, Jesus, we're going to be jealous of you. That is until Jesus resurrected from the dead. And then it clicked for James, and James then became a leading elder in the church in Jerusalem. And he was well-respected, and he was a man full of wisdom, which is why he was known as James the Just. And so out of his wisdom, it gives us the occasion for why he was writing to a group of people who were scattered. And how they got scattered, you might be asking, is actually in the Bible in Acts chapter 8. If you want to check it out at a later time, you're more than welcome to. In Acts chapter 8, just as a little bit of a st- synopsis, there was a guy named Stephen, and Stephen was proclaiming the gospel boldly and powerfully. But there were other people who didn't quite like what he was laying down and so they stoned him to death and out of that event christians started getting persecuted and they started being killed and as a result these jewish christians and other christians decided we better get out of dodge and so they scattered to all these different places around the middle east now let's think about this for a moment these people who are receiving james's letter first of all they're having to worship in brand new ways Before all of this persecution began, they were able to gather in their various house settings to worship and to go to temple and to hear the word of God proclaimed in person. Sound familiar? As far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at a bunch of empty chairs in here and you all are watching me on a computer screen. It's a new way to have to worship. And with that comes an adjustment to the new culture that we see around us. And for the Jewish Christians, it was no different because they were used to Jerusalem culture and now they had to adjust, adjust to Turkish culture or Greek culture or all of the other surrounding Mediterranean civilizations. Sound familiar again? Here we are in a day and age where it's perfectly normal for us to do Zoom meetings where the top half is professional looking and the bottom half is basketball shorts. And it's perfectly normal now where Netflix and Hulu are taking over our free time. And it's also weird when you go to the grocery store and everyone's wearing masks and there's hand sanitizer on every corner. And there's plexiglass between you and the friendly cashier at your local grocery store. There's so many different cultural things that have shifted and have changed and are causing us to feel a little uncomfortable. I'm sure it was the same way for the Jewish Christians. But there was also this lingering question of, these people had recently become Christians and now here they were being persecuted and they were being murdered. Beforehand, they were gathering in their assemblies and it was all joyful because they were giving praise to God. Now all of a sudden there's persecution happening and they might be asking themselves the question, is following Jesus really what I signed up for? Is this really what I got myself into? Is Je- in this day and age, it could look like this. Is Jesus really the answer to finding peace and comfort in this day and age. Now, another barrier that gets in the way of the book of James is the fact that uh, in Lutheran circles, it's not necessarily seen in the best of light. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, uh, when he was directing people to learn about Jesus and learn about the good news of the gospel, he would point people to books like Romans and the gospels. Uh, but the book of James, he said, uh, be careful, be careful. And if you could, avoid it at all costs, because he called it the book of straw. And the reason why he called it that is because the message of the book could be misconstrued. What it looked like is that this book was trying to proclaim the message of, if you do this, you get this. And if you do this, then you get this. And if you do this, then you get this. And basically, you work your way all the way to the top. Oops, I accidentally said a bad word. And that word is works. We don't like that word in Lutheran circles. It's like I said a curse word by saying the word works. We like words like grace and faith and cross and potluck and coffee we li- and green hymnal. We like those words, but the word works, it's, just, it's anathema. We don't like it one bit because we're people of grace and we like hearing the good news of the gospel that Jesus did a lot of work for us but if we gloss over the book of James we miss where the gospel's at in fact it shadows over the entire book it casts its incredible power upon it not like a magic spell by any means but just by its substance it creates a powerful powerful message within the lines. So what do I mean by that? Well, we're going to dive into the very beginning of the letter because it's absolutely crucial that we understand this beginning part, this opening message that James is proclaiming to these scattered Christians. So I'm going to read once again for the third time James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. The first verse is just him recognizing, I'm writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. The next verse is this. I'm just going to read it straight through. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. A straightforward reading of that, we'd be like, oh, that says works. We need to... Have our faith be tested. And then when the faith is tested, then I'll gain perseverance. And when I gain perseverance and work towards perseverance, then I'll be able to have maturation and completion and I'll be good. But let's pause for a second. Let's take this bit by bit because it's, abs- it's actually pretty radical what James says right away, especially this first line. Consider it pure joy, You Christians who are persecuted and most likely are persecuted in your new places where you have scattered to, consider it pure joy. People who are confused and scattered and not sure where to turn to, consider it pure joy. Sounds almost offensive. It sounds outlandish. Why would you say something like that, James? It'd be like in this day and age, if somebody were to write us a letter and say, consider it pure joy that we have to stay in our homes, that we get to watch Netflix all day, that we can't go to our jobs, that we can't sit in our favorite restaurant. Consider it pure joy. And introverts are like, yes, consider it pure joy. And everyone else is like, oh, no. Just kidding, introverts probably feel it. Again, nobody's immune to this. Consider it pure joy, even in these trials that we're facing of many kinds and don't get me wrong we're we're in a big trial right now and they're not going to go away after all of this goes away they're still going to come and you've most likely faced them in the past and so why do we consider it pure joy then whenever we face trials and whenever we're finding ourselves in situations like the one that we're in right now and it's because of this portion of the The passage, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let me be clear on something. God did not cause this pandemic. It is not God's fault that there is a coronavirus. James alludes to this a little bit later in James chapter 1 verse 13 when he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It's not in God's nature to tempt anyone. God is a good God. He's all good. He's no evil. It's, the, it's Satan and it's the evil forces that are working around us that caused this pandemic. It wasn't God. So let's make that very clear right here and right now. And we need to understand where this testing has come from. This means that it's not God that's doing the testing. It's the situation that's doing the testing of our faith. And when there are tests, if you can think back to high school, for some of you that might have been a while, or for those of you who are currently in high school, or for those of you who are in elementary school in general, and your teacher gives you a test, there's a reason for why they give you a test. They're not doing it to be mean. They're not doing it to try and trick you. They're not trying to fail you on purpose. And sure, it may feel that way sometimes, but that's not the purpose of them testing you. No, the reason why they test you is they want you to. They want to ask you the question, what do you know? What do you know about electricity? What do you know about European history? What do you know about the quadratic formula? Any one of those questions, they want to know what you know about that. And if they're a good teacher, they'll look at the results of a test, and they'll be like, "This okay, I see that there's a misunderstanding here, so I need to adjust this in order to help people to understand it for next time. In the situation that's testing us, the question that's being asked of us is, where are you putting your faith? Are you putting your faith in materialism, and money, trusting that that stimulus check is going to help you persevere through this entire thing? Are you going to have faith that this situation is going to blow over by itself? Are you putting your trust in the news outlets? Are you putting your trust in the political party that you identify with? To inform you, to let you know how to handle this virus. Another one even yet, are you putting your trust in yourself? And I'll be honest, I'm guilty of this one. I felt like I was the one that could you know put my trust in myself think positively and hope that in the future things will return to normal but when we put our faith in those things it's it's shaky ground it's unstable and it creates even more confusion it creates even more scattered things because there's people turning to the left and people turning to the right and we still don't know where to turn to, and we think we have this firm foundation, but it's about as unstable as it could possibly be. But there's another option of what you put your faith in. Are you putting your faith in Jesus? Because let me tell you about a faith in Jesus. You don't bring anything to the table when it comes to faith. There there is no criteria whatsoever as far as like these good works you have to do in order to earn God's favor, in order to earn salvation. There's no step-by-step process of how to get in, in God's favor more so than you already are. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done for you. And what God has done for you is he says, I see you. I come near to you. I come close to you. I'm crying with you in your pain, in your loneliness. I'm here to stabilize things. And I've done that because I've forgiven you of all your sins. We tend to gloss over that point, but it's the biggest deal that we could possibly imagine. He's forgiven your sins every single one of them, all bad things that you've done, Jesus is like, I forgive you. Open your arms wide. Let me in. Because I'm chasing after you. What other religion has a God that says I'm seeking after you as opposed to us climbing this moral ladder up to the highest possible level? It's faith in Jesus that creates that stable foundation. And when that faith is tested, it'll lead to perseverance. So, perseverance isn't a result of what we do in faith, the perseverance is fruit from what Jesus does in our own lives. Because even during this, like, God has not stopped working during this time, He's still working, He's still doing incredible things in the lives of so many people out there, and he's doing incredible things in your life as well. He's maturing you. He's bringing you to completion in this entire process, and he's gonna continue doing it even beyond that. He's working inside your heart because he loves you. If If there is anything that you hear from me today, know this, God loves you, and he sent his son to become flesh And bone and human being for us. Because he knows how much we're hurting. He knows how much pain that we are in. Even before this virus happened, it's just become more prevalent because of the changing circumstances. But it's that faith that then, as a result of the way that God works in your life, produces perseverance. This virus isn't gonna last forever. It's not, and we know it. And the way to make it through, but not just to limp through, but to actually make it through, is by putting our faith in Jesus, trusting that he, his goodness is enough for us. There's an equation that Pastor Darren said last week that I think is so crucial to our understanding of this, and it's this. Jesus plus nothing equals Everything. Not Jesus plus nothing plus works plus all these ritualistic things we do to think that we've earned God's favor equals everything. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's gospel and it's right there in the book of James. Let's let that faith be what not just help us to barely survive this situation, but to help us persevere and come out transformed That's what Jesus is doing in your life. He's transforming you and molding you and shaping you. And out of that come the good works. And out of that come your impact on this world. So let's let faith in Jesus Christ be our firm foundation to allow us to persevere and to know that it's not anything that we do. It's what he does in us that then help us to love God and love neighbor under the shadow of the cross. So join with me these next two weeks as we continue to dive into this, as we continue to journey through the book of James. Let's pray. (sighs) Jesus, I just pray that we would just take this opportunity to just recognize that you're at work in our hearts right now. You're that voice that communicates to us, peace I bring. My peace is beyond all understanding. I am enough for you. I love you. I care for you deeply. I pray that those words would rest on our heart today and that we would know that it is Jesus working through us through the Holy Spirit in this day. And that he's going to continue to do that for the rest of our lives. I pray that we would trust in his promises, his promises that have never failed and are never going to fail. Lord, guide us and lead us, bring us to a place of perseverance through these hard and difficult times. We trust in you. We know that what who you are and what you've done are enough. You plus nothing equals everything. Open up our hearts, open up our arms to receive you here today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.